Um, I assume you're hiding the fact that. Yeah, I'm trying to decide whether that's a spoiler or not. I I'm wondering the same thing. <laughs> because here's the thing: it's not in the trailer, and that's true. I enjoyed the surprise. But oh, okay, okay, yeah. Then we won't say that. Yeah. Welcome to Feeling It, a podcast where we discuss TV, movies, pop culture, and whether or not we are feeling it. If this is your first time joining us. Welcome to the show. And here we go. Come on, talk and talk. Want to hear something neat? It's showtime! Hold your ears, folks. Here we go! See what you can do now. Take your position. All right, ladies, buckle up. Let's do this. Hold on to your butts. Seriously? Listen to me very, very carefully. Hey, it's me again. Eat him up. Enjoy. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome to Feeling It. Each week on this show, we like to share what pieces of pop culture we're really feeling. Whatever show, movie, song, or tech, we just can't get out of our heads. In addition to those picks, this week we'll be talking about the new Amazon Prime series, A Very English Scandal. But before we get started with all of that, let's introduce ourselves. And when we do, let's answer the question, what's the juiciest political scandal you've ever been really invested in? I'm Lucas Wright, a designer from Chicago, and I am very uncomfortable around political scandals. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I feel like just as America, whenever a political scandal comes out, it makes us feel like a like we're a child in the back seat with a drunk driver um and so <laughs> i just kind of like cover my head and try to ignore all the political scandals if possible just because of how uncomfortable it makes me but i would say the one that i got the most invested in um was is it anthony weiner andrew weiner anthony yeah anthony oh. uh was really just the second half of anthony weiner's um sexting scandal um and honestly only because of the documentary that came out in the middle of it um, in 2016. So I'd seen the documentary. Um, I'd, I'd known about the scandal, but it wasn't something that I was super invested in. But then because he came back into politics after that, it was he was somebody that I f- was followed and was interested in kind of what his career would look like. Yeah. Um, and then he kept doing it. So. Yeah, so bizarre <laughs> and sad. Just ridiculous. Yeah. Well, I'm Sandra Amstutz. I'm a social media manager in Nashville, Tennessee. And here in Nashville in the past year, we had a really crazy scandal where the mayor of our town, who is a pretty beloved mayor, first female mayor of Nashville, um, she had an affair with her um, bodyguard provided to her by the police department. Um, Wow. Yeah. Like a like it lasts a, like more than a year long affair. Wow. And geez. they went on lots of trips together, like that were work trips. Um, she ended up having to resign and um, I think pay like a federal fine because of like there was a lot of um, scandal about the overtime charges of the officer that she was having an mm. affair with. And it was really intense and had the whole city kind of just a buzz for a good few months. <laughs> I'll bet. Yeah, yeah. I've never had like a local political scandal at all. All of the ones that I've ever heard of have been national. So yeah. that's saying they haven't happened. I'm positive sure. they've happened. Sure. <laughs> sure. Um, well, Lucas, before we get started talking about more political scandals, um, <laughs> what are you feeling this week? Yes. Um, this week I'm feeling a new app called Libby. Um, if you follow library news at all. (laughs) Um, The makers of Overdrive have released a new app called Libby. Um, Overdrive was an app that um, lets you check out uh, 
digital books and audio books and stuff like that um, yeah. from your local library. I um, love it. And I love sync to Kindle or, you know, just have on your phone. It, it really is a great option. It's awesome. Um, Libby is a new app that they've released. I think eventually will replace OverDrive. Um, it's built from the ground up. It's very fast, very nice. Um, it's a good looking app. Uh, I think right now it doesn't have all the functionality of OverDrive. So right now they're both out at the same time and you can use either one you want, but I think eventually they'll be moving completely toward Libby. Um, I've been using it for the past couple of weeks. It's been really great. I love just having the flexibility of checking out books digitally um, without having to go to the library as well as I do a lot of audiobooks and currently if you want an audiobook from the physical library you go and get it on CD and then you have to somehow get that onto a device that will play <laughs> and in my house I really don't have anything that'll play a CD so Libby for me is the best uh, my best chance at getting audiobooks so yeah I would definitely check this out um, Sandra I know you're a hundred percent in on libraries of course um, have you tried Libby at all no, I'm downloading it as we speak. Um, I use our library system quite a bit, and I typically use their Kindle option for ebooks, mm-hmm. um, which is what I check out the most because I'm not a big audiobook person. Um, but every now and then, when I have an audiobook I want to check out, I've used the OverDrive app, and uh, I'm giving Libby a look right now. Yeah, I, I think it's really simple. It's very easy to use. Also, if you don't have a library card, um, they make it really easy to sign up for one within the app uh, through your uh, city, whatever, whatever, I guess, county. Yeah. I don't know. There, are they county libraries? I forget how they um, work. But. Yeah, no, usually it's like a metro area or like a city. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. it does a really good job of helping you get that set up if this is your f- first introduction to a library. But um, I would also encourage you to go to a library if you can. Libraries are amazing. Totally. I completely completely support them i would definitely have you check them out so lucas is filling books and libraries this week great that's a great thing to be feeling (laughs) sandra what do you feel this week this week i'm feeling a movie i've been so excited about and i finally got to see last night it's called american animals so lucas you've seen this movie right yes i love it so much yeah it's it might be one of my favorite movies i've seen of the year so far Um, For anyone who hasn't heard of it, American Animals has a really stunning trailer, so I would highly recommend people go and look that up. Um, But it's a true story about these four college-age young men um, several years ago that decided to kind of commit a heist where they were going to rob their university library of these million-dollar books that the university library happened to have. And... It's one of those you can't believe it. You almost can't believe it's true kind of stories. And the trailer, like I said, was so captivating. But before the trailer even came out, I was so sold on this movie, simply based on the fact that it was a heist film starring Evan Peters, um, Blake Jenner, Carrie Bear. Barry, how do you say his last name, Lucas? Barry Keegan? Yeah, I I would say, yeah, Barry Keegan. Yeah. all these are actors that I've seen in several movies. Um, there's a term that I used to hear on Tumblr a lot that was like busted white boys. And Evan Peters is like <laughs> the perfect example of that, of a guy that kind of has like a weird face, but he's like incredibly attractive. Um, and this movie is like really a all-star cast of busted white boys, <laughs> with the exception of Blake Jenner, who's like a classically handsome yeah. white boy. And... I was just very excited about all of these actors. They do they 
usually work in very interesting projects. I find them very charismatic and compelling. And so for the four of them to be doing a heist film, I was already in. Like, you don't even, I didn't even need to see a trailer for it. Um, And then I was even more interested when it got a lot of good buzz out of Sundance and it was picked up by MoviePass as the first movie that MoviePass is distributing. Um, There's just like a lot of interesting things surrounding this film. So I was very excited about it. I got to see it last night and this was a movie that I was so enthralled while I was watching it that I was squirming in my seat throughout the majority of this film um, in, <laughs> in a great way. I found the actors incredibly mesmerizing. Um, the story was just like really grabbed me in. And I don't want to give too much away, but I can say that the way that the filmmaker tells the story is unlike anything I've ever seen before. And I think it's so smart, both from an artistic perspective and from a moral perspective. And I'm really, really impressed with how much, how fun this movie is, how meaningful I found it to be, and um, how innovative I thought it was. I'm really excited for more people to see it. Yeah, this movie really, I think, I think it's something that a lot of people think about is like, Ooh, you know, what would it be like to pull off a heist? Like it would be a lot of fun, like all of this stuff. And so, especially like at that age in college where you are, um, kind of trying to figure out who you are and what you like, what your life means and stuff like that. And so watching, watching this movie, I think is really interesting to see kind of the thought process of all of that. Um, and then also it, it, it's, I think one of the most uncomfortable movies I've ever seen as well. There are just some scenes that are just really, really just real and uh, emotionally raw that like you leave the theater. Like, I left the theater and I walked home and I was just like, I, this, that was hard. Some of that was hard to watch, yeah. um, but really moving and, and like really, I think did it in a really great way. Um, I had a few issues just with the, I think, I don't think all the characters were explored enough. Um, sure. I think it, it really focuses on um, Evan Peter and uh, Barry Keegan. Keegan. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. Those two more than the other two guys. I don't think we got enough of like why they're interested in doing this heist and kind of what's in it for them, that kind of stuff. Right. Um, but overall, like just those are small nitpicks in how great this movie is. Totally. Yeah. I think what is so exciting for me about this movie is, As someone who loves heist films, you always think about, like, yeah, what if I could pull that off? But I also never think, I would never actually try to plan (laughs) a huge, incredibly risky heist. Right. Um, And these guys did. And this movie is such a great example of what that fantasy looks like to someone. Like, what what fantasizing about it and what, um, how exciting that, like, time can be versus the risk that's actually involved and how people, how like especially young people, especially young men can get wrapped up in things without realizing what the consequences are going to be without Mm -hmm. fully committing themselves to what the consequences could be. Um, And so I, I really, really appreciated that the movie didn't shy away from that. Totally. Yeah. I would love to talk to you more about the spoilers of this movie at some point. We should, we should, we'll we'll schedule a time for that. Yes. Um, but before we do that, let's talk about what we're in or out on. Are you in or out? You will soon find out what it's all about. It's the final round. There can be no doubt. So are you in or out? 
we are I'm pretty fond of. Um, I say that I'm having a lot time, of fun with it. <laughs> man, do I love doing this? Um, where we quickly run through a bunch of either recently released or upcoming film or television properties and we ask each other are you in or are you out so lucas first i'm going to go through some of the trailers that have come out in the past couple of weeks all right um tell me if you've seen them tell me if you're in or out the trailer for a new rom-com called juliet naked starring ethan hawk and rose Byrne. rose Byrne, yes yes um i've seen it i'm 100 percent in um crystal crystal duels yeah Duld? crystal dowd Chris O'Dowd, that's yes. right. Uh, Chris O'Dowd is in it. Um, I this this looks like a lot of fun. I y- you've said it before. Rom coms are back. Um, it's happening. Yes, <laughs> I'm it's a really I'm on board. Exciting time for rom coms. <laughs> I'm excited about it. I think this movie looks like a lot of fun. Yeah, so. this looks like my perfect kind of rom com, which is a rom com, but it's just a little muted, you know, um, mm-hmm. which I appreciate. Yeah. Did you happen to see Set It Up, Lucas? Oh, no. Okay. Is that is that good? I think it's good. I think it's a really perfectly crafted rom-com in that it's like classic rom-com, but it's very charming. Okay. Um, I think if you it liked l- What If, you'll like Set It Up. Okay. Based on the trailer, it looked very over the top. No, it's it's fun. Okay. Okay. Um, here's another movie. The House with a Clock in Its Walls. Mm, Jack Black and... Trailer? Um, Kate Blanchett. Yes. Normally, those two in a movie, I think together, I would be 100% in on. Um, this just doesn't seem all that fun. <laughs> like, it seems like very much like a child's movie. Yeah. Not like a kid's movie that, that adults can see, but like, this is something that only kids will find funny. Um, which is sad because I really like those two actors. Who's making this movie again? Do you remember? Because um, it feels like Tim Burton, but it's not Tim Burton. Yeah. It is. Oh, it's Eli Roth. Surprisingly, oh, that's right. So, yeah, it's like a horror Eli director Roth does a kids horror film. Yeah, I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> I'm out on that too because even kids horror films are often too scary for me. Um, <laughs> the last kids horror movie I watched that I was like that was too intense. I did not need to see that. Was Monster House? Did you ever see that, Lucas? Mm, I yeah, I definitely did not see that. That looked way too scary. <laughs> it was too scary. And it was truly made for children. So, um, yeah. So, House of the Clock and Its Walls, I'm definitely intrigued by, but I don't know whether I can handle it or Mm -hmm. not. Yeah. Um, There's a trailer that just came out for a new Steve Carell and Timothy Chalamet movie called Beautiful Boy. 100% in. Both of these people will win Oscars in the next 10 years. So, I like this. This could be the vehicle for both of them here. Yes. I love Steve Carell so much, especially in movies like this. And Timothy Chalamet is a beautiful boy. And I am all in favor of any movie that wants to, like, put that on a pedestal. So mm-hmm. uh, I'm definitely now, in. Yeah. This is based on the memoirs of a father and son, kind of as they, they talk about, like, the son's addiction and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and so this is all based on a true story. So I'm very interested to see kind of how they handle it. But it the trailer is amazing, and it yeah. looks really, really great. And we get... Um, if you're a fan of The Office, we get a rephrasal of Steve Carell and Amy Ryan as a husband and wife. So. Right, yeah. <laughs> um, so another Steve Carell movie that has a trailer that came out was Welcome to Marwin. Did you see this trailer, Lucas? I did see this trailer. This is insane. Um, yes, <laughs> But also I could see this being really great. Um, it's such a weird concept. It's about a man who, who was attacked and as part of his therapy therapy or whatever um he starts building these dioramas with barbies and stuff like that just about his life in marwin and (laughs) 
it sounds as weird as it looks, but I assume it's going to be really good. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Robert Zemeckis has a great um, knack for taking insane concepts and making them into actually really good movies. So this could be something that, like, in, when I was watching the trailer, um, I thought it was insane. But I, like, it... It's going to take me actually watching this movie to, to let me know if it's something that I'm actually going to like or not. So right. I can't say if I'm in or out, but I will watch it. And I trust, if anyone can pull off kind of a bizarre character like this, I trust that Steve Carell can. Again, like I yes. said, I'm a big fan yes. of his. Plus, Definitely. I'm really excited to see Janelle Monet in this movie. She looks fun in it. It's a great cast like of of women that are in, in here with, uh, who's it, Diane Kruger, um, Gwendolyn Christie, Janelle Monet, and uh, Merritt Weaver. All four, five, five of those, four of those, how many did I say? <laughs> All four of those women, I think, are excellent, and I'm so excited to see them in a movie together. So Yeah. Okay, so now let me move on to some TV seasons that have just recently started. Um, Lucas, are you in or out on Sharp Objects? I'm very in on Sharp Objects. I haven't watched the first episode yet. Um, I'm. <laughs> I wanted to read the book before it, the season came out, and so I'm trying to get that done first. Um, but I'm 100% in on it. This is this is directed by Jean-Marc Vallée, who did Big Little Eyes, um, Wild, Dallas Buyers Club, and written by Julianne Flynn, based off her own novel. She wrote. Uh, Gone Girl. Gone Girl, yep, and is writing Widows, mm-hmm. um, the movie I'm most excited about. Um, <laughs> but I, like, so this is a starring great... Starring Amy Adams, who... Yeah, starring Amy Adams and uh, Patricia Clarkson. I, like, this is basically dream team right here. Like, yeah. I can't I can't ask for a better setup. So I'm really pumped about it. I'm really excited. It's on HBO, so I would say check it out. Yeah, I'm in. I re-signed up for HBO, just specifically for Sharp Objects. Nice, nice. Um, <laughs> I haven't started watching it yet, but I'm going to probably start it this week. Yeah. Um, something I have started that I'm very curious where you stand on it, Lucas, is season two of Glow. Mm, yes, season two, Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling. Um, this was an episode, or this was a show that I really, really liked the first season of. I don't know if this is something that we want to talk about more at some point, but um, when you drop a season as one complete thing and people kind of go through it, for me, this happened with, with Glow and um, Dear White People. Um, you consume it as kind of one chunk of content, and then it's gone. Right. And so when a season two drops, for me, there's not as much urgency to kind of jump in on, on a show like this when there isn't kind of that cultural narrative around it of yeah. everybody watching it kind of a thing. So this is definitely a show that I want to see this second season of, but I just haven't gotten around to it yet, and I'm not sure how long it will take me to. <laughs> sure. I have started it. I feel the same way in that, like, when Netflix drops full seasons at a time, there is there isn't this urgency. It's like, oh, I could start watching that next week, or you know, mm-hmm. because usually it shows that you don't you're not super concerned about getting spoiled for, you know. Right. Um, now, what keeps me on my toes is I listen to podcasts where they discuss TV, <laughs> and <Yes. laughs> so one thing that's helpful is they'll say like, okay, we're going to talk about Glow episodes one through three on Thursday. So I know that if I want to listen to that podcast episode, I've got to get episodes one through three of Glow watched by Thursday. And it gives me some deadlines, which I really appreciate. (laughs) Um, Nothing like deadlines for your entertainment. (laughs) I mean, honestly, it's helpful. Because when you watch as much content as I do, you do need to schedule it. You know, I have a whole schedule for my (laughs) movies for for the year. And, you know, you really need to be a good planner and so i've been watching glow to keep up with the conversation that's happening on this podcast that i like and um 
it's really, it's still really great. Um, this season, they're doing a lot more focus on the stories of the individual women on the team or, or participating in the show, I should say, versus so much focus on how are we going to make this project work. Um, that's definitely still a part of it. But whereas season one was very much, how are we going to make glow happen? Season two is, how are we going to keep making glow happen? And also, what's going on in these women's lives? And um, I'm really appreciating it. I think they're doing a really excellent job of weaving those two things together. Um, and I'm having a lot of fun with it. Allison Brie continues to like really wow me in this show. Betty Gilpin continues to be amazing. And all the other women continue to like really pull me in. So I'm having fun. Good. Okay, Lucas. So are you ready to move on to our main topic? Yes, let's do it. Okay. So Lucas, tell me how you heard about a very English scandal, this new Amazon Prime TV series. Limited series, I should say. Yes. Um, Yeah, this was something that I saw a trailer for. I assumed it was going to be BBC, obviously. (laughs) Um, Turns out it was Amazon Prime. Um, Yeah, I I just saw a trailer for it. Um, I don't... It was marketed a whole lot on IMDb. I feel like every place I went to had images and stuff for um for this series so I wonder if you saw a lot of that marketing because you look up a lot of British stuff (laughs) because I didn't see any of that interesting yeah I wonder how they do their um their ads on IMDb how they they target those but I got like basically that's all I'm getting are just ads for a British scandal so (laughs) yeah how about you how did you find it I bring that up because I didn't hear a lot about this show. Um, the first time I heard about it was Hugh um, Grant was doing press for this show. And part of that was he did a video with GQ, which I find very charming, where he um, goes through a lot of the main movies of his career. They, they start at the beginning of his career and they kind of go through some of his biggest hits. And he talks about what that experience was like or how he got cast in it. And it was really interesting. And then he ends with, of course, a very English scandal because that's the project he's promoting. And so that was the first time I heard about it. And it sounded interesting. But then, you know, I follow a lot of members of, like, gay Twitter. And they kind of were raving about what a great show this was and and how interesting of a project it was. So that's what compelled me to give it a shot. And also learning that it was a limited series, just three episodes on Amazon Prime, it was a very easy thing to commit to. Yeah, I 100% agree. I love, love miniseries. <laughs> the more the merrier. Yeah. Um, especially because you can get such great talent behind it. I mean, obviously, we haven't talked about this, but um, Hugh Grant is the lead in this, um, also with Ben Wishaw, who is just phenomenal. Um, This is written by Russell T. Davies, who did Doctor Who for a long time. Um, Excellent, excellent writer. I think this is such a good example of what you can do with a miniseries. Um, You can tell a story like this 
over three hours um, and there's always a place to put it now. So really like however long your project is that you're writing, that you're kind of putting together, you don't have to put it, you don't have to like force it into a TV series or you don't have to force it into a movie length. Like this, I, I feel like this would be a weird amount of story to tell in a movie. Yeah, um, I agree. It wouldn't flow well at all. And it's not enough for it to be a full, <laughs> you know, a full season of television. Right. So um, I think something like this is, is perfect. And I'm really glad that there are venues for stories like this. So I guess we should say what this show is about for anyone who has never heard of it. Um, it's based on the real life events of a English politician in the 60s and 70s um, whose name was Jeremy Thorpe. He was like a major member of parliament. And the big scandal that is the title is referencing to is the fact that he had a gay lover who he then tried to assassinate. Um, and Allegedly. Allegedly, sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's the story of this of Jeremy Thorpe, the politician, and it's also the story of the lover who is named um, Norman Scott. Norman Scott, yes. Um, yeah. So, Lucas, as a fan of everything British and historical, <laughs> um, had you heard about this scandal before? Not even close. A gay affair in the seventies by a member of parliament. It was not on my list of uh, British knowledge. Yeah, things that you're more like um, attuned to the royals. Very, very much high level. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And recent. So, right. um, or okay. very, very old, like Renaissance stuff, that kind of stuff. That's right. where my knowledge lies. Got it. Uh, the mid 60s and 70s, not my, not my forte at all. Sure. So, yeah, this was not something that I'd heard of at all, um, which I think made it really interesting to get into because um, I kind of jumped in just knowing, okay, this is a scandal. I, didn't know what the scandal was going in or kind of what it would, what this would look like. So um, for me, it was very interesting to kind of follow that story that way without knowing kind of the outcome at all. Yeah. One thing that I, I really loved about this series is that it reminded me a lot of Veep and that um, it's about politicians and how a lot of people have this view of politicians as incredibly smart and well-spoken and charming and all the things like they, they put them on a pedestal when in fact politicians can can often be not quite that bright just trying to make it all work you know just trying to get ahead very power hungry and I think that this show along with Veep does a really good job of showing sort of the seediness and the lack of polish that politicians tend to have um so I had a lot of fun with that and and Hugh Grant, I think, in this show is kind of on like I've never seen Hugh Grant do a role like this, and I'm so mm -hmm. yeah, I'm so impressed with it. I really, really loved seeing him in this kind of um, he's not quite a villain, but he's also he doesn't have the same kind of like gloss and charm that most of his protagonists usually have. Yeah, he's very not. Char he's very much not his charming Hugh Grant self that he right. <laughs> is in just about everything. Yeah. Um, one thing that this show also like really reminded me of that was so much fun for me was it reminded me a lot of I, Tanya, Um in that it's kind of about people who want to make something horrible happen, i.e. like killing someone, but then don't really quite have the guts or the know-how to follow through with it properly. And... The comedy involved in that, I just had a ton 
ton of fun with. Yeah, I think that, I think that's really where this shines is um, kind of the ineptitude of everybody involved in everything in this. Um, this, I mean, all three episodes are basically um, this string of people just making very stupid and bad mistakes. Um, some of them, you know. Clerical. You know, not some of them. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Some of them clerical. Some of them um, very much <laughs> um, illegal. Very, and some some of them just you know accidentally stupid. Just yeah. stuff. Um, and I, it's it's very funny to watch. Um, I think where it gets a little weird for me with this is that um, unlike I Tanya, unlike um, with the O.J. Simpson American Crime Story show, is that they leave it ambiguous they um i mean you kind of know what happened but they're very much like i don't know this is what she said happened this is what he said happened um and with this um i don't think this is a spoiler i mean it's a true event to say that um he was not convicted um of you know any crime in this situation um but the way that it tells it it tells it as if all of this stuff actually happened um that they did have an affair that he did um, try to get, try to have him killed and everything like that. And for me, that is an interesting take that we haven't seen before. I feel like anytime there is no conviction or something like that, um, when we're portraying it, we do leave it a little bit kind of open for interpretation, stuff like that. Even in a situation like OJ, where it's kind of like, yeah, we all think he did it. We're all like 90% sure he did it, but we're still going to leave it open because there wasn't a conviction. So in this case, for them just to, you know, tell this story as if, yes, all of this stuff happened, um, to me is interesting. I don't think it's necessarily bad, but I just think it's an interesting take on it. Yeah. I mean, I don't know legally what the precedent is, but I, th- I would imagine that we can look at the evidence with modern eyes and make some fair assumptions versus and 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 realize what the biases were happening in the legal system back in the 70s you know mm-hmm. um the you know there there's there's a really an entertaining scene in the courtroom um that shows like just how biased the legal system was and um how unfair it was how, how how unfair the proceedings were held. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think we can look back on events like that or judges or lawyers and see like, okay, this person maybe didn't get a completely fair trial. And we can look at what evidence was presented and make fairly accurate assumptions. Um, that's, that's what I imagined happened with mm-hmm. the makers of this show. Yeah. I also think it's interesting that this, so this is based on a book that came out in, I think 2016, um, also called A Very English Scandal, um, about this. But this book wasn't released until Jeremy Thorpe had died. Jeremy Thorpe died in 2014. Um, And so it's interesting that they do take kind of the side of Norman Scott here, Mm -hmm. which I think we all agree is probably exactly what happened. (laughs) Um, But just that none of this, you know, kind of this ball didn't start rolling until Jeremy Thorpe had died. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder why that is. Uh, if it was out of legalities, respect, uh, mm-hmm. convenience, you know, I, I'm, I'm yeah. very curious. Yeah, Lucas. So, what was? What are some things that you loved about the series, and what are some things that like you maybe wish were improved a bit? Mm. Um, all the performances are fantastic. I think Ben Wishaw is incredible in this role. Oh, he's so um, good. Yeah, he does some, he cries all the time in the show, and it's, uh, like, every time, it's just, 
incredible, like watching his face just scrunch. <laughs> um, obviously, Hugh Grant's amazing. I feel like the the cast of buffoons that you get surrounding <laughs> um, this whole thing is hilarious. Um, it's also a time and period that I think is a lot of fun, like the 60s and 70s, like just the look of um, of London, the look of everybody's outfits and stuff like that. It's just a lot of fun and ridiculousness. Um, I think one of the things that um, I had a hard time with is the time span. Um, this takes place, I think it starts in like, is it the mid-1960s? Um, through the mid-1970s? I think it's like about 10 years sure. um, that this kind of happens. And I think all, all they do is just put a date up on the screen when stuff changes. Um, and so I had a hard time kind of following how much time had passed in between different sections of this story. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, and, and I don't think a lot of that matters too much. It's more of a nitpick, but just understanding, oh, you know, you've been dealing with this for three years as opposed to just, you know, a month or something like that. Um, you've been waiting to hear back from this person for three years. Like that kind of stuff I felt like um, didn't come across quite as well. Yeah. Um, I think the other thing is we, it's very much from their perspective. So there's so many other people involved. Um, they're both married at certain points in this story. Um, they, they all, they both, there's just a lot of relationships that happen in this. Um, and we don't need a lot of depth to those relationships because it's not about that. Um, but we also don't get a lot of, I don't know, information about those relationships either. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. One of my favorite things about this film is the way it depicts like the varieties and not that many varieties. Cause it's just two, you know, white <laughs> men, you know, in this show, but like the varieties of the queer experience at that time in history. Um, so you have on one hand, this very powerful man who is, um, 100% not public about his queer identity. And, um, but still engaging in, like, sex whenever he can. Um, and then you have this other man who is, like, young and emotional and confused, and then also, but at the same time, can't find himself, to, or can't bring himself to keep quiet about who he is or what he's been through. He can mm-hmm. only express himself, and that's both, like, a a great power of his and also like an what's kind of can also be his demise in in certain instances. And it was just so fascinating to watch how these two different men, very different men handled a very similar situation. Um, And as well as the way that this show um, addresses what it was like to be queer at that time and what it was like for society to think or know about your queerness. And um, it was really moving in certain parts, especially, I, I won't give it away, but at the very end, Hugh Grant has like a very moving scene that um, I really appreciated. And um, to see the discrimination and the the minor forms of acceptance that these two characters found um, was really interesting. The way that um, Hugh Grant seems to encounter quite a bit of queer men that, while they may not be out, might be comfortable enough expressing their queerness around him in ways that, like, the audience might not typically expect. And um, I was really, really fascinated with the way that this show made it clear that 
being gay in the 70s was not a rare thing. It was not a thing that, like, only a few people happened to be gay in the 70s. No, it's it's just it was just <laughs> as prominent as it is now, just with varying degrees of, like, being public. And um, I love that it addressed that. Yeah, I did think... I thought it was hilarious and probably very, very real how often in this show gay people were recognizing other gay people Um, and and straight people were not, Um, (laughs) which I thought found found probably very realistic in that time period and also very just funny and ridiculous. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I also appreciated how often there would be straight people who were like not as scandalized as you'd expect them to be because Mm -hmm. I feel like so often we think of the sixties and seventies and we think of like how scandalous it would have been to like be out. And yet, well, and while yes, that is true. And especially on a public level, such as like television or politics, um, in day to day life, while it wasn't widely accepted, it also wasn't like, completely unknown you know like there are so many different characters straight Mm -hmm. characters who take the knowledge and they're like yeah this isn't a big shock to me Uh, or (laughs) they're like yeah Yeah. i have a brother who's gay and i I know what this is like Mm and not you know not know what the experience is like but they're familiar um it wasn't just like again as rare as i think the you would assume by what the media was at that time yeah um one thing I, I also really loved, again, we talked about how, like, this show really works as a miniseries, was specifically the way this show was segmented. The They cut it into very three distinct chapters, and I really appreciated, like, the organizational aspect of this show, of mm-hmm. seeing the meeting, the fall, and then the repercussions, you know? Yeah. Um, and... Uh, yeah, and it, it, it could be anything from a love story to a crime story to a court story from, you know, at any point in the show. And those are all different genres that I am a big fan of that this show, I think, really tackled in different ways. Yeah, I think, like I said before, like a miniseries is just perfect for something like this. Um, and I think he did a really good job of kind of, yeah, breaking this up and really kind of... <laughs> telling the story at the correct length um, because it is such a interesting proceeding because you have, yeah, all three of those segments uh, I think could each be their own movies. Um, right. And, and so to have it like this, where you get to see each piece of this, both of these people's lives kind of change and fall apart and <laughs> um, is I, th- I think really unique. And I think I, I, what I really loved about it was watching, watching a man in power kind of, start to have his world unravel and yet keep the, keep his face and not fe- and not actually realize that his world is unraveling because I feel yeah. like a lot of times in a situation like this you 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 see the man trying to hold his world together and I don't really feel like Hugh Grant th- or uh, Jeremy Thorpe in this series like thinks his world is falling apart until it is um, right and so we yeah we just kind of get to see <laughs> the other side of it well and this is very slightly spoilery, but there's a very telling line towards the beginning of this show where the Jeremy Thorpe character very matter-of-factly says that if the public ever found out about him being gay, he would just kill himself, like, mm-hmm. without a doubt. And then 
that very much happens. And obviously he does not kill himself. He kind of just powers through and denies and denies. And it's very interesting to see what he thought would be his reaction at the beginning versus what his instinct is um, when that comes to play. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, Because that's that's something that's brought up a lot in in this is like what happens when people find out Um, because it happens to multiple people throughout throughout the show in you know smaller ways and larger ways and stuff like that Um, and everyone's reaction is really different which is really 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 cool to see yeah Um, is there do we want to talk a little bit about spoilers at all there's not a lot I think to spoil in this no Um, especially because it is real history right I don't I can't think of anything that's super spoilery. No, you're right. I don't know that I have anything that's yeah. super spoilery that like I think we need to go over. One of one of the rare instances. I, I know. Say, I, <laughs> <laughs> I think. Well, I I just think it just shows how good of a job this story does of just telling the story and not trying to base it on a surprise twist, factor or, yeah. or a, some kind of twist or anything like that. Yeah. It's just. I mean, I guess the ultimate twist is if you don't know the story going in at all, anything about the story, is that the murder attempt doesn't complete successfully, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, that's, you know, episode two ends with him with the gun out, and episode three begins with the murder not happening, you know? Yes. <laughs> um, and so if you don't, if you're truly clueless, like, I guess that is the the, the cliffhanger for you. Mm-hmm. Um but I don't think that that's a big one, considering most people, I think, are aware that it's an assassination attempt and not a true murder. Right. right. Otherwise, it'd be a much more grisly show. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I will say the scene with Ben Wishaw's character and the uh, quote unquote murderer, um, <laughs> those scenes had me dying. Um the the ineptitude of yeah. the hitman, the way that like the hitman instead of just killing the guy, decided to like befriend him and like yeah. trick him. Yeah, such a weird like I don't know the thought process of this is the way I'm going to do this. I'm going to yeah. befriend him and then take him out into the country. Yeah, it makes no sense at all. But yeah. and then the the innkeeper later that he's staying with is so great and just yeah. like on top of things. I feel like they've done a yeah it's. It's a very delightful, fun story. So, I mean, even with kind of the serious nature of everything involved, there's just so much fun stuff going on in this. It's really hilarious. Right. Um, Well, I'm really glad that I heard about this show. I'm glad that we both watched it. It's one that I have a few very specific people that I'm like, oh, you need to see this show. I think you'd be really into it. Um, Yes. I don't think it's for everybody. I think a lot of people will find it boring. Um, But... It's I I definitely suggest give it a try. Watch the beginning of it. Um, I think it hooks you early on, so right. you can tell pretty early if this is going to be something you're interested in. Sure. All right. Well, if you have thoughts on a very English scandal, or you have any scandals of your own that you feel like you want to <laughs> share with us, um, is this no, Dear Abby now? Are yeah, we yeah. Just... just don't don't implicate us in any crimes or anything? But you know, like juicy gossip, I'm always willing to hear. Send it to Sandra. Don't send it to me. I don't want your juicy gossip. (laughs) Um, You can find us online. Our podcast Twitter account is at feelingitpod. 
And you can find me online at Sandra Amstutz. My last name is spelled A-M-S-T-U-T-Z. Lucas, where can we find you? You can find me everywhere on the internet at Lucas and Stuff. Thanks for listening. Bye. All right. See you. Thank you. Goodbye now. Goodbye. Go away. I'll see you soon, okay? That's it. Go home. Yeah. Moving along, Padre. Goodbye, old friend. That's it. That's our show for tonight, people. 